Greetings and salutations, podcast listeners, and welcome to episode 28 of the Cult Spark Podcast. You might know me. My name is Bob Taylor, and I write about film and TV at cultspark.com. I'm joined today by two other guys you should know if you like our site and you like our show. Uh, that would be Stuart Smith and Terrence Abar. Hey, guys. How's it going? That's a pretty huge assumption that people like us and the site. <laughs> I would imagine it'd probably be one or the other. I went out on a limb. Yeah, you got to sacrifice someone. And... So, gentlemen, our last podcast went live on October 7th, 2016. Good grief. It's been that long. It That's has. Insane. I'm going to read a list of things that has happened since that time. Oh, God. Donald Trump was elected president. The world seemingly started to burn down around us. I've watched Mad Max Fury Road something like 100 times on HBO and Cinemax, both because I love it and to prepare for the seemingly ever more likely apocalypse. A really good Marvel movie came and went. An average at best Star Wars movie came and went. Carrie Fisher died, and I spent about five minutes in a Rite Aid parking lot crying when I heard the news. M. Night Shyamalan became a box office stud once again. And then finally, John Wick returned to theaters to make me feel better about life as I know it. And now I that, had a kid. And Stu had a kid. That's I'm about, <laughs> We're about to talk about that. because, Which is pretty the much way, the entire reason why we haven't podcasted since October. This is correct. We're going to... So the, those last two things in my list, we're going to talk about Split. We're going to talk about John Wick. Those are two things we're going to talk about in detail during the show. But before we get to that... We, yeah, we needed a little State of the Union here, and that was going to lead off with official congratulations to Stu. Uh, our depressed state over the current you know, course of our country isn't the only reason we haven't had a show in a while. Stu also became a dad, so congrats, Stu. Well, thank you. Congrats. It has been, uh, it's, been quite, it's been quite the experience, to say the least. But, that's uh, but pretty, it's good. That's I'm, a, I'm, get, I'm getting used to it. Little guy is uh, sleeping a lot more, so that makes things easier. Uh, but no, he's he's adorable. If you follow me on Facebook at all, I'm sure you've seen, you know, the several dozen pictures that I've posted of him. So he's, he's cute. I think I'll keep him. He's definitely sounds good. Although it's probably been tougher for you to, you know, movies, video games, the things we like to talk about on here. How hard's that been with a newborn? Uh, you know, it's actually been easier than I expected. At least uh, recently, now that he's, uh, you know, sleeping for longer intervals. Now I have. You know, I mean, I can go probably. I stay up until about two every uh, every night for my shift, as it were. And so now that he's sleeping for like you know four and a half hours at a time, I mean that that leaves plenty of time to play you know play a little little video games, watch a movie. Uh, you know, it's 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 not convenient, you know, but it's it's definitely easier than it was uh, when it was first going on. Certainly easier than I uh, initially expected. So. I am not fully media deprived, thankfully. Terrence, our kids are getting all grown up. Do you remember those early days? Which kids are you talking about? Uh, the, the ours. The ones that <laughs> you know. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the children me and you have together that we've adopted. The I, one that kids. we know of. <laughs> the one that we know of, yeah. Um, yeah, they're doing fine, I guess. Good it's guy. uh, you know, I'm in a different stage than Stu is. I'm a little further along, you know, but um. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's just got, you got to be mindful of what you're watching in front of them. You know, I was watching uh, La La Land in front of my older son. He liked it. He didn't seem to mind it too much. Was complaining a little bit about the singing. But other than that, he seemed to like Ryan Gosling's footwork and piano skills. Nice. I haven't seen La La Land yet. And that's actually one of the things I wanted to talk about is I, I swear another reason we haven't done the show in a while 
is because I spent a couple months depressed about the state of things right now, the state of the country, the state of the world. Do you guys find that it's harder to get excited about seeing movies and talking about movies and writing about movies when there are just much more serious things out there worth worrying about? Because I do. And I basically haven't seen any of the Best Picture nominees just because I spent the prestige Oscar season, you know, November, December, pretty much not going to movies. I, I haven't seen anything, mostly because I haven't. Like, it's basically impossible for me to get out of the house to go see something now. Uh, combine that with the fact that I have no job currently, so no time and no money has made it impossible to, to see. This is the most depressing uh, podcast of all time. All just time about anything new. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, honestly, for, for the first month, uh, actually, you know, for a month and a half, I would say, at least, I was just like, What's the point? I mean, every, I just got super nihilistic, uh, wasn't in the headspace to write, which is why there hasn't been a Van Damage report uh, in many months. And, um, you know, so, yeah, it, it was a little difficult to uh, to kind of get my mind back around really digging into movies. Because, you know, I mean, I'd watch stuff at home or I'd play, you know, play some video games. But, you know, I wasn't in the headspace to really, you know, consume them in the way that I... Uh, had in the past, much less write about them. And I, I'm finally getting back now uh, into the point where not only do I want to, but I want to specifically because, you know, I don't want these feelings of, you know, I I hate our president and wish it was literally anyone else in office uh, to consume me. Because, I mean, that's, that's just, you can't live like that. You can't go on. Uh, you know, I can't be a father like that. You just can't function. And uh, you know, so diving back into writing has really actually helped me to kind of channel a lot of that uh, in a more in a more positive and productive way. So I'm fine. I'm I'm getting back there. Terrence. Um. Well, you know, I'll tell you the truth. I spend every day talking myself down from the ledge of a building, but you know, after a few minutes. <laughs> all right. No, all kidding aside. To tell you the truth, I've actually um found a way to kind of lose myself in movies again as of late and um i feel like it's allowing me to escape from the day-to-day nonsense that's been going on in our country and uh it's making me want to write about movies again to be honest with you which uh you'll be seeing more output from me on the site for sure this uh in the coming months sounds good I still get. I'm getting to the movies more now. I, you know, I went and saw John Wick. I actually get to go see Logan tomorrow. But there'll still be days where, you know, I know I should watch something on Netflix or Amazon that I missed, and I end up just like depressed on my couch watching CNN instead. And then I feel bad that that's what I'm spending my time doing. But some days, I still it still brings me down. Let's talk about something that doesn't bring us down. John Wick Chapter Two. Which, a couple of things first, we're going to talk about John Wick, we're going to talk about Split, uh, we're going to spoil really both of these movies, but it's more Split if you're worried about spoilers. John Wick, there's there's not a lot to spoil, That you know, he kills a lot of guys, spoiler alert. But uh, if you haven't seen Split yet, you might want to tune out on that section of this podcast. But we're also going to get into John Wick Chapter 2 some here. Uh, Terrence hasn't seen it. Why is that, Terrence? Why haven't you seen John Wick Chapter 2 yet? Um, it's a good question. Yeah. I am going to see it. I, well, as a, as a matter of fact, it kind of boils down to me not really being interested in seeing movies opening weekend like I used to be. I'm just not a big fan of the crowds anymore. Mm-hmm. 
I um I'm I am definitely gonna catch it by this weekend though. I'm gonna have some time to myself and I'll be able to catch up with it. And you're also an original John Wick hater who thinks it quote unquote tries to Hater's hard, pushing correct? it. Hater is pushing it. I'm just not as hyped up on it as you guys are. That's all. I do like it very much. I think it's a better than average action film. I just don't think it's uh the second coming of Christ. All right, Stu, Terrence just called John Wick better than average. I honestly don't know how you can really say that. I mean, think think about like what what's what's the most average action movie you've ever seen? The most average action movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Um like just just middle of the road, not great. Lethal Weapon 4. Lethal <laughs> Weapon 4. That's not a bad one. <laughs> Lethal Weapon 4 okay, for total so... median average action movie. Right, I mean, so how in the world is John Wick, a movie with some of the best action choreography, best gunplay choreography I have ever seen in cinema, how in the world is it only just a small step above Lethal Weapon 4? I don't, think it, I don't think it comes close to Hard Boiled or The Killer. See, Wouldn't I, you say those films are the pinnacle of action movies? See, I would actually, I would put this... See, some of it, see, part of it, it's it's not fair, I don't think, to compare it to those, just because those movies have been around for so long. But I I honestly think it, I think it could eventually be uh, able to, to stack up next to those. I, I genuinely do. And I say that as, I mean, The Killer is my favorite action movie of all time. John Wick has action that is, it's different. It's not John Woo action, but I think the quality of it uh, absolutely stands up to it. I think the killer has a better story overall. Uh, John Wick doesn't have much of a story, but I think the world building in John Wick, both the first and especially the second one, more than uh, uh, surpassed uh, the killer in Hard Boiled. Hard Boiled is actually kind of boring, I think. Anything that isn't the action scenes is just like a, a huge drag. But man, those action scenes really kind of make up for it. So You're going to have people knocking at your door with pitchforks. You understand this. Well, that's fine, and uh, you know, bring them on. I have plenty of people that will actually that will agree. You have a new baby, man. They're not going to do anything <laughs> to you. They see you holding a baby. <laughs> so then we get to John Wick Chapter Two, which I mean, am I crazy, Stu? Because I feel like it's one of the best sequels ever made. Uh, it's definitely up there. I think that at the very least, it's uh, the most consistent sequel ever made. I mean, it is. It's one that like I'm not. I'm not sure yet if it surpasses. The first movie, uh, I don't think that there's any, there isn't an action scene in the second one that is uh, better than the word, the Red Circle Club assault mm-hmm. uh, from the first movie. Uh, but everything is at, is at least as good as that. Like the Hall of Mirrors stuff is incredible. Uh, you know, just from a logistical standpoint, my God. Um, Seriously, how do they shoot that and keep the camera? out of the reflection is there cgi in there did it have to be well, so and it, carefully and it's choreographed not, not, so reflections aren't coming back of the crew and it's not cut to hell either like that you know it's like you could you could shoot something like that but then just have it edited uh into oblivion oh, that's that's one of my favorite things about this series is that there's no, there's very little to no shaky cam and they let the edits breathe it's not like punch edit kick edit i mean you see the choreography and the training that goes into effect and i just i love it well, and you what? see Keanu doing pretty much all of it, which is, you know, 
I mean, that, which is that's, why they probably hold back on the editing. I think they just want it's kind of like a Keanu Reeves uh, talent showcase, if you will. Well, it really is. I mean, like if you watch, if you've seen any of the behind the scenes stuff, like I remember when they were still shooting the movie, uh, they released a short video of him doing uh, a, a live rounds uh, firearms course, like a like an obstacle type course, and the 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 speed and accuracy that he was going through each of these weapons and transitioning and reloading uh, and stuff like that is just absolutely insane. And so to see that translated so directly into the movie is, is really, really impressive. I love the fact that it goes so much bigger with sort of the world building and the assassins, you know, universe. Right. And, you know, this would have been, I say in my review that the the opening, the prologue where you see him assault that chop shop to get back his car, like right. that's like a 15 minute version of what the easiest John Wick sequel would have looked like. Right. So they give you like a 15 minute version of the easy John Wick sequel and then they spend another hour and 45 minutes on. But we're not going to do that. We're going to go bigger and we're really going to get into this universe we created. And it feels mm-hmm. In some ways, it feels very much like the first one. The the fight sequences feel like direct extensions of what they do in the first one. Keanu is still a man of very little words in this film. But on but in some instances, in some regards, it feels a lot different just because how much bigger. This isn't a simple revenge tale. This is a much more complex plot. Well, and that, you know, I think that's what is uh, – there's not a whole lot of story here. You know, there's not a whole lot of – I mean, John Wick doesn't really grow as a character – uh, but I don't think we necessarily care about seeing him grow as a character. Uh, what what really makes this special is that it it you see the expanse of this world, which was one of the great teases of the first movie. You got a, a, a small little taste of it, but you see how like how big and complex and how intertwined uh, this assassin subculture is to really the entire world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's fascinating the way that they kind of threaded it all together and the. Uh, you know, the rules and the nuances of everything. Uh, it so just, the it, continental still factors in? Oh, big Two time. continentals. Yeah. I mean, there's... there's really? Con- yeah, there's, there are hotels probably in every... I'd say probably in every major city in the world, the way that they kind of, uh, you know, set things up. Yeah, we're, we're back at the New York continental, and we spend time in the Rome continental. Uh, with uh, with Django, the original Django right. uh, being the, uh, the, Ian, the Ian McShane analog there which yep. is great which can we can we talk about how great ian mcshane is i could listen to yes! him just i could listen to him say jonathan, jonathan on a loop i mean he just he is he see he's one of the reasons why this movie is so great because you feel you feel the texture of this world and you feel it through characters like him like they have just great character actors in these right. roles well, it's, that, that make it that make all of this feel inhabited. Well, and it's a nice contrast too, because you have Keanu in the lead, who's a very sort of physical, moody performer, but he's not going to ever be accused of having a lot of range. Uh, it feels like he has what ten lines of dialogue in John Wick Chapter Two, maybe. That's what it feels like, anyway. Yeah. So you take this sort of central character who's stoic and almost purposely wooden and almost purposely empty which works for the character because he's still grieving the loss of his wife and stuff and then you well, just he's, sur- he's bottled rage right and then and- you surround that character and that actor with these colorful uh characters played by great character actors who are so lively and colorful and it's just it's a wonderful contrast and it just it, it works in 
John, the first John Wick, and it works even better here, again, because pretty much everyone who survives the first one's back. McShane gets more screen time. Lance Reddick, probably about the same, but is always fun. And then we add uh, Franco Nero, and Serafinowicz gets his great little scene, and even some of the other assassins, like uh, Common and Ruby Rose. And it's Which just I, this... I enjoyed Common way more than I uh, oh, necessarily I expected to. If you ever Which, even... I mean, I've, I've never had a problem with him as a performer, but I just didn't expect him to uh to to fit so well into this i i uh, mentioned this to a friend that is if you ever need a textbook example of why you know actors can't do everything and a lot of times it comes down to the script and who's directing them um if you watch there's a terrible liam neeson movie i reviewed for cult spark called uh what's it called run by night is that what it was called i think it was called run by night which came out last year and it run all night run all night that's it run all night Live by uh, Night is the Affleck movie that. Yeah, yeah, on. run all, run all, run all night, and it came out last year. It's a crappy Liam Neeson action movie, and Common's in it, and he's terrible. He's just terrible, and I kind of rolled because of that film, which was like the last film I'd seen him in, and also an action movie. I kind of rolled my eyes when they announced that he was cast in a major role in John Wick Chapter Two, but here he's fantastic. He was in Wanted, also. I thought he was pretty decent in that. In what? In Wanted, the movie with uh, oh, Angelina Jolie. I didn't see that. I thought you said he uh, was in a want ad. I'm like, what want <laughs> ad? What are you talking about? <laughs> I liked it. I liked him in Smoking Aces. Uh, you I know. don't like anybody. In oh, Smoking he was Aces, great in that but... actually. With uh, along with Alicia Keys, they played see, really well off of each see, other. That's a gr- that is a mo- that that is a mess of a movie that has some really great performances in it. Uh, Terrence probably thinks it's better than the original John Wick. Are you taking Smoking the original... Aces? Are you taking no Smoking Aces or the original John Wick? <laughs> Smoking Aces is the movie that had the biggest um, difference in quality of trailer, where the trailer got me so hyped up to see this movie, and then I saw the movie and I wanted to cry at the end of it because it was just so bad. I have a like my letterboxed review for Smoking Aces is like one sentence that is something along the lines of "Who thought that a movie about trying to kill Jeremy Piven would be so not fun?" <laughs> I really don't like smoking aces. See, I like it. Uh, it's a mess. I don't. I'm not saying that it's necessarily a good movie. It's absolutely a mess. I like what it was going for. Uh, you know, I enjoyed it. I'm, you know, not in any hurry to watch it again. But, back but to, anyway, um, back I, to John Wick Chapter Two. Back, back to John Wick Two. Uh, I would watch an entire, like, I would watch a 13 episode TV season just about these peripheral characters. Like, I, you know. If it involved uh, Peter Serafinowicz's sommelier and Ian McShane and Lance Reddick and you know all all of those characters, I I would watch a move uh, a show about the Continental Hotel. It's mm-hmm. it's that well realized. I think I I like that there are times in John Wick Chapter Two where maybe they start to push the edge of making it harder to root for John Wick. Because, you know, the first one's a very simple, they killed his dog, these people deserve what's coming to them. But in this one, you know, some of the plot details, him being forced to take a, an assassination job, him being forced to take a job that he doesn't, in fairness, he doesn't want to do, but because of old debts that need to be paid, he's forced to do. And then, you know, it almost takes John Wick uh, 
right up to the line of, you know, how much can we root for this guy? And we have to acknowledge that, you know, but pre-John Wick 1, this guy was an assassin at some point and killed people for money. And I think they do a nice balancing act where they never lose the thread. There are always reasons worked into the plot why the people he's killing probably deserve to die. So they right. keep us on the side of rooting for John Wick, but I think it's a little grayer this time around. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's it's definitely... Uh... Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, there's uh, it's interesting because, yeah, you, you do kind of you forget that he really was. The, I mean, he's called the boogeyman for a reason, uh, you know, and without that puppy there. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. They they go to great pains to make sure that, you know, that his dog isn't dead. I know, because when that house explodes up, you're like, there's no way the dog made it out. They're like, no, it's OK. Right. The dog made it out. Is it true he has a backpack in this movie and he carries, like, the pit bull around in it? <laughs> that would no. be adorable, but no. <laughs> um, you know, it's I, I don't think it's bereft of reasons to care about John because, you know, oh. at, at the very beginning, whenever uh, 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 D'Antonio, you know, when he comes to him with the, uh, with the blood oath thing. Right. You see, uh, you know, John is, John is once again stripped of everything – that, that last bit of anchoring that he had, you know, the, the photos of his wife, the house that they had together, you know, literally the last vestiges of who he wanted uh, to be is gone. And so I, I, I think they do a pretty good job of of communicating that, of communicating, you know, that, you know, that last bit of loss to kind of push him into screw it. I, I literally have nothing else to lose. Uh, so I'm going I'm going for this because what else is there? It's interesting because when he goes to Rome on his mission, and I'm sitting there thinking, man, plot-wise, he pretty much has to kill this chick. But how are we going to – is he going to lose the audience if he does that? And then they kind of find an ingenious way to kind of wiggle out of that dilemma. Right. But uh, it's – I think it's very cleverly put together. I mean it's – this is not a movie with plot twists. This is why we weren't worried about spoiling it for Terrence today. There's no big reveals. There's no plot twists. It's very straightforward like the first film. It's just far more textured, I think. There's a there's a heck of a there's a heck of a cliffhanger yes. at the end that I don't want to spoil that made me um, like I would have sat in the theater for chapter 3 immediately. I have a question for you guys, actually, being that I haven't seen the second one. One thing that I do give the first one credit for is that um, I think that the bad guys in that film are truly despicable, especially Alfie Allen, who I thought was like one of the biggest douchebags. I may actually do a movie villain Hall of Fame just because I just don't like that guy. And um, how do the bad guys in this one stack up? Uh, He's definitely um, I'd almost go so far as to say he's more despicable uh than the gangster's son in the first one if only i mean they're both incredibly selfish people and perpetuate selfish acts you know but alfie allen just kind of he he killed a puppy which i mean that's awful and it was the (laughs) cutest puppy ever but this guy is out to kill his own sister and that's what he has john wick do Mm. uh so i'd i'd say that's probably worse uh, although I don't know, I mean that really was the cutest puppy ever. So it's it's kind of I can't a, get my wife kind of, to see kind of the a movie because of that. I you know another thing talking about the moral shades of gray in this movie. One other thing to mention is Stu is do you notice the you know as far as the rules of the assassins, the rules that these people live by, the only person who breaks a rule during this entire film is John Wick. Right. Which I also think is interesting. 
and again, a pretty great setup for where things are going to go the next time around. And, and the way that he breaks them, it's like, I, I don't, I don't see how he, I don't see, I don't know that there was any way around it. Oh, there's uh, not. You're totally on board with it. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, short of, I mean, I guess he could have like, you know, grabbed the guy by the scruff of the neck and <laughs> dragged him outside. <laughs> yeah. Or, or something like that. But I mean, yeah, there's just, there's no way to, there's no way around it. You know, he just kind of had to do it. Yeah, the cliffhanger is great. It's one of those uh, cliffhangers that's cool because it it works as a thematic end to this film. It's not like John Wick Chapter 2 feels incomplete. Right. But it's also a pretty great cliffhanger leading to the third one. It's probably my favorite cinematic cliffhanger since... I I was actually going to say Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest, which I love the cliffhanger in that film. Too bad it was was not paid off in an appropriate manner with the shitty third one. Right. Uh, well, let's see. What, what makes this work is that the the very end is more like kind of a, I don't know, it, it's it's almost more like the preview for the next movie than it is the ending for this right. because we got we got the ending. Right. You know, uh, you know, the ending is is John sitting in the charred remains of his house. Yes. Everything after that, is, which I it, honestly I, thought was going to be the end. Right. And then it's like, oh, there's more. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you know, it, 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 you know, this story, you know, the, the narrative that is threaded throughout this is given closure, you know, so it's, it's, it's the ideal way to do a cliffhanger. I think. Why do you think the John Wick series seems to have this weird, it exists the way it exists sort of in the public's consciousness where I know people, not just us, Stu, but a lot of our sort of film fanatic friends love the series and love these movies, like just cherish them. We are not alone in this. But then I also know, you know, I take he in in our time off, I guessed it on Stay Cool Geek a couple times and Kurt and those guys from that show. They're not big on John Wick and they kind of bust my balls for loving these movies so much. And even away from the Internet, I have, you know, friends in real life who I say, oh, you got to go see John Wick, too. And they just kind of cock their eye and say, really? The Keanu Reeves action thing, really? I gotta go see that. Why is there this disconnect between like hardcore sort of film fans, action fans, and like everybody else who? There's not a lot of middle ground here. It seems like it's either people adore the series or they don't really give much of a shit about it. Why do you think that is? You know, I don't know. I've been trying to understand this uh, because do you I feel have like been... have you come across sort of the same sort of thing? I've really only come across, you know. Honestly, it's really only one person that I know of, or at least oh, in I real know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, who who just doesn't, who just isn't on board. He's like, oh, it's okay, but you know, who who cares? Uh, but you know, it's been interesting because yeah, you know, like most of the people outside of my uh, you know film fan friends uh, that got into it got into it because of my recommendation. So I mean, it's like. This had like huge word of mouth among a lot of the people that I knew. Like it just kind of was all from you. The power of stew. It really kind of was. Like I mean, they, you know, like I just started crowing about it on. Facebook. Are you getting points off the back end on this one? I wish. God, I wish. Uh, I could use it. Um, but yeah, no, I've really only got one friend who's just just kind of like, oh, who cares about John Wick? There's no story. And the cult is growing bigger since Chapter Two opened to double what the first one opened to box office. Right. Wise. So that's well, a good it's sign. like, I mean, this this is a movie that that I'm sure plays like gangbusters on HBO. Right. 
Uh, well, Terrence you know, said the original was back in like the top ten on Blu-ray sales. Didn't you tell me that online, Terrence? Yeah, I think it was number one actually the last time I checked. So our site's called Cult Spark. I think it's fair to call these cult movies to some extent. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that this qualifies. I mean, you know, this yeah. isn't a huge mainstream hit. The first one, especially, you know, relied hugely on word of mouth. So, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, I mean, because I've seen you debating Kurt and some other people about this, and I just. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know why. I don't know what there isn't to get on board with. Yeah, here. and to be clear, because he'll probably be listening, it's not just Kurt. I've had several people right. say, I don't get your love for that series. And I'm just like, I just shake my head. And it's like, what, have you seen them? What's not to get? Right, exactly. I, I mean, mean, they're straightforward, tight action films with brilliant choreography, not a lot of excess stupid comic book plotting that clogs up, you know, the James Bond movies these days and so many action movies these days. They're gorgeous. I mean, for a, a lot of action movies have shit cinematography. Not here. These movies are. It also it also had that. Willem Dafoe in a robe juicing. <laughs> yes, it did. Which you don't get in almost any other movie. Um, you know, I was I was uh, I forgot where I heard it, but he came up with that on the spot, and they were they just went with it. They were like, nice. all right, whatever. This. <laughs> I mean, it really might be my favorite franchise going right now. I don't say that lightly, but I, you look at something like Star Wars, I am not sold on all these. I didn't really like Rogue One that much, and I'm not sold on all these spinoffs and side stories and whatever. Uh, see, I don't, I don't consider I, Star Wars an action franchise necessarily. Well, I'm just talking about franchises in general. I'm going I, – I, I think I'd rather see John Wick Chapter 3. I got in trouble for saying something similar about Chapter 2. I think I'd rather see John Wick 3 than any other movie right now. Like, if you could sit me down tomorrow and say you can watch John Wick 3, The Last Jedi, or Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and trust me, I am dying to see all those films, I think I'd take John Wick 3. See, I, uh, I'd probably pick uh, Edgar Wright's new movie. Baby Driver. Yeah. No, I'm not Just picking cause... I'll see Baby Driver, but I'm not putting it before any of those. But, I mean, come on. How badly do we need John Wick 3 now? Especially after oh, that ending. Oh, pretty badly. I, I mean, I have a primal need for it. Don't get me wrong. And it seems like Keanu and... Chad Stahelski, the director, and all the people involved, like, really enjoy making these movies and really care about not just churning them off, but making each one a good, unique thing if you read the reviews. Well, that's that's one thing that I was really curious about uh, was since um, the other half, uh, who who is the the directing partner? Stahelski's directing? David Leach. David Lech. Lech, yeah. David Lech, um, who is directing Deadpool 2 now. Which, I mean, hey, that, that should be great. Uh, I was really curious. It's like, okay, you know, when you have directing duos kind of go uh, uh, their up. separate ways, yeah. like, you know, is this, which which one of those, you know, <laughs> were, you know was Where'd it necessary to go, have both? Right? Would it would actually still work? Uh, so I was really glad to see that it didn't miss a beat right. uh, with Stahelski going solo here. All right, let's move on and talk about Split, gentlemen, which it's going to be the reverse here. Stu hasn't seen it. Because he has a baby at home, I'm guessing, correct? Stu, that's the predominant. Uh, I have a, you have I have a baby point. at home, and I, you know, I mean, it's it's a Shyamalan film. I was expecting it to be crap, because most of, I mean, pretty much everything since Signs has been, eh, pretty much garbage. Uh, you know, so I was just like, ah, who cares? I, I'm not, you know, I don't, I have a baby right now. I have no money. I'll I'll save my movie going priorities for something that I genuinely wanted to see. So I. I actually, you know, since everybody was making a, a big to-do about the twist in there, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll just, I'll look it up, I'll find out. And it's cool. It's very cool. And also, surprise, the, the movie ends up pretty good, huh, Terrence? 
Right, movie yeah. actually so, was surprisingly good. I was very happy with it. I might actually watch it at some point, but uh, yeah, I was I was expecting it to be total garbage. So that's why I missed out on it. All right, so Terrence, tell me where you th- where you sit with M Night Shyamalan's career as a whole right now, and give us your you know mini podcast review of Split. Well, for a while it seemed like he was hitting the mark and then missing it. Like it was just kind of alternating. You know, I thought Sixth Sense was fantastic. Then he followed that up with Unbreakable, which I thought kind of missed the mark. Which is kind of funny when you think about Split in uh, retrospect. And um, I love Signs. I think Signs out of all of his films is probably my favorite, even though he doesn't stick the landing on it. Oh, I think I it's just Sign. me. See, I like I think me speaking as a father and, and and M Night Shyamalan. He just has this knack for casting children. Which, if you watch Signs, the children's performances in that are fantastic and also here in split there's a little girl in it that was just i couldn't take my eyes off her she was fantastic and um i thought the village was terrible i thought he made a little bit of a comeback with uh the visit and now with split i'm like eager to see what he's going to do next so tell us what worked so well about split why did you like it so much well it um what i really liked about split was that it, it kind of falls in in line with his uh previous films where you know he takes his time and it's a very you know sublime film where everybody's just the dialogue is doing most of the work and you're getting to watch these actors do their thing and james mcavoy is really given like a good like opportunity to shine with these performances because he's just it's like you told me before i saw the film like watching him go back and forth between these different personalities i was just there like like amazed by what I was viewing, this guy really, really knocked it out of the park with his performance, and I'd love to see him get some recognition come awards time. Yeah, McAvoy and, um, is the reason to watch this movie. He's incredible. Oh, definitely, definitely. Even though the girls, the teenage girls in the film were pretty good, also, mm-hmm. I thought the acting across the board was just phenomenal. But um, and you're right. There's, I mean, there are long stretches in this movie where there's not much action, but it's more about building tension through the character work. Almost. Yeah, exactly. And it pays off at the end. That last third, like really took a detour that i was not expecting and made the film even more enjoyable mm-hmm. uh i liked it a lot as well um although my m night Shyamalan opinions are a lot different from yours i can't stand signs and think it's his most pompous useless overrated movie oh no dude um, if you're talking pompous the uh, lady in the water I, is actually, the I, one I, where they should have hung him after lady that in the water so but uh, oh, man. I take I think Unbreakable is really good. I take it over Signs. I don't love the uh, oh, Unbreak Unbreakable is his best movie. Like I have no down. problems with that. Um, I, don't I don't know. Love I, the thought, I thought the payoff in it was just a little eh. Like it just kind of fell flat for me. But I, I haven't seen the film since I initially watched it. I do mean to watch it again, especially again in light of Split. I was gonna say I. I used to love Unbreakable. I have not seen it in a while. I wonder if it will feel slow now, considering we have superhero movies monthly to watch. You know, Unbreakable was sort of a deconstruction of that genre at a time when there weren't a ton of super, many, there weren't many superhero films out there. So I'm not sure how that would play today in the day of you know Marvel and the MCU. But I loved it. Uh, I don't. Lo- I think The Village has serious issues, but I'd take it over Signs as well. Wow, really? Yeah. I. I think The Village is one of those movies that suffered from his need, his inexplicable need to make every film a twist-ending surprise. Yeah, where it just I didn't. Agree it, with that. that one really did not pay off at I, all. I think it's a gorgeous movie, just filled with sort of tension and dread, and it makes me nervous watching it. But then the script just kind of falls apart, and not just because of the twist, for more reasons than the twist. But 
Then I skipped And the acting couple. is good. You can't fault the acting in any of his films. No, That's like one a, thing I, I have mean, to I was on it For a while, I was very much, Knight should not write scripts, he should just direct films. He's an, I don't think, he, he's always been a good director. Always. I just think uh, sometimes his ego gets in the way of his writing, and he thinks he can tack a twist onto anything and make it worth seeing and it was proven a couple times over that was not the case and then the visit came out i didn't see the visit i actually did i didn't see the visit when it first came out and then when when word of mouth was good on split and i got invited to the screening i did a the visit split double feature in one day and i actually quite like the visit too i don't think either of them are sort of exceptional five-star movies but i think uh the visit and split are both very well done sort of um almost grindhouse like horror movies they're not as that's a, that's exactly how i feel about the visit i feel like the visit yeah, is just the, the, a take the, it as it is movie right, and it's like it works because of that he they're not all these big ideas he's trying to rain anymore it's like let's just scare people let's just make a down and dirty sort of scary movie yeah they still have little twists on the end of them but uh they feel sort of rougher and i think that's better i'd agree with you so I liked both of those movies, and I'm pretty much back on board with him now. It's like, yeah, let's see what's next. Although, and again, we're about to spoil the crap out of this, but what – I mean, we now we have a night verse. Now we have, because it's revealed in the final closing seconds of Split, that it's set in the Unbreakable universe. Bruce Willis's character from Unbreakable shows up. Um, McAvoy's character from Split now has basically superpowers – I mean, he can climb up walls and take shotgun blasts, and he's basically a comic book supervillain at that point. Um, and he's gonna. And if they do make a sequel like to Unbreakable, a sequel, uh, whatever, uh, a then, hybrid film of the two, right. it's basically gonna be David Dunn against his equal because they're both pretty much indestructible. Right. And um, and what's what's interesting is is when I saw it in the theater, that moment excited me. When Bruce Willis shows up. I mean, I got goosebumps. The hair stood up my neck. I'm like, that's exciting. And I also think about a team-up movie or some sort of movie that, you know, shuffles in a, several of these characters from Knight's movies. And that also, I you know, I'm on board for that. I'll see that. I just, I don't know how much it benefited. Split was a good movie before that last minute. It was a great movie before that last, and I'm I mean, not that last sure, audition. You know, if they put out a sequel now and it's terrible... What does that do to Split? I mean, what kind, what a waste of a nice little psychological horror film if this doesn't really go anywhere good. It's it's still there. Yeah, but... Yeah. I mean, Split is still there. I mean, okay, yes, so but does this, the, but this, does the, the, does but the, the ending unbreak- of Split necessitate a sequel? Not at all. Well, then and, just let it stand alone and pretend the, the yeah, sequel, if it sucks, it Bruce Willis exist. shows up, it's not standing alone. It's not like coming out with a sequel ten years after the fact, and if it stinks, that, that first movie's still there. I mean, in the context of this film, it's right there in the text. Bruce Willis shows up at the end. So I, I, just I don't love know how the you fact that it, the two. I just love the fact that the ending comes out, Bruce Willis comes out, and it just takes what you watched. You just sat there, you watched a two-hour film, and then at the very end, you realize that what you've just watched is a supervillain origin film. So someone actually, speaking of that, uh, someone posted a really, I think this is a pretty great theory. Uh, so uh, James McAvoy's character's father, like the, the whole thing that kind of sends him into having multiple personalities is his father dying, right? Or dis- like he gets on a train and disappears, never comes back, right? Right. Right. So someone posited that, so you know how... Mr. Glass puts the uh, you know, he's the one who makes the train that David Dunn is on right. 
uh, it derails and kills most every, well, literally everyone on board, right? Well, it was confirmed recently. I think M. Night Shyamalan confirmed that that um, McAvoy's character's father dies on the oh, same did train. Did he? Did he confirm that? Okay. Yeah, he dies that. on the same I, train that uh, Bruce Willis was theory. on when it got derailed. I saw that theory. I did not know it was confirmed, but I mean, it makes total sense. And I don't know. Yeah. How the t- I don't know how the timeline works out. Even if it wasn't that exact train, I think they make it clear that Mr. Glass has caused a series of accidents. Correct. Yeah, yeah, he's done a bunch of stuff. So yeah, he spent he spent years like, uh, you know, causing accidents to draw David Dunn out. And again, I don't know if there's any way to evaluate Split now without considering all this stuff. I, I honestly don't think there is. I mean, once Bruce Willis shows up, once you make it clear that this is what's happening, you can't go back I, on that. I, I think. still think the movie. It's like Stu said. I think the movie's still strong enough to stand on its own, and it's like it doesn't necessarily need Unbreakable to be any better than it already is on its own. It's kind of crazy because this thing's a pretty big box office hit. I mean, make it, it's going to make a lot of money, especially compared to its budget. Uh, when I was at the screening, there were people coming out of the screening with me confused as hell. Like, what does Bruce Willis have to do with this? And what was that about? I mean, Unbreakable was not a big hit when it came out. It did well, but it wasn't huge like The Sixth Sense. And it's been, how many years has it been since that movie? Like 15? 15 years, yeah. So, oh God, uh, it has been that long. Jeez. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're old, Stu. It's pretty. It's kind of ballsy to do what he did, actually, and it, maybe it speaks a little bit to Knight's hubris. Maybe he thinks, you know, Unbreakable's bigger in people's minds than it is, but the studio's not going to tell him no now that Split's doing so well. So I have no doubt we're going to get. Again, it's kind of like the Nightverse now. I don't know if they're going to call this Unbreakable Two, Split Two, what, what, how this is going to be titled, how this is going to be sold. But I'm we, sure we are, I'm in, sure we, are have... in, we are in an M Night Shyamalan shared universe now. I think that's what we're getting. I, I don't think it'll be Unbreakable Two or Split Two. I think it'll just be another one-word title. Yeah. And probably have like Unbreakable as like a subtitle or something like that. I don't know about that. I know I agree with Stu. I think it'll just be the one word. Again, Split is the bigger selling point than Unbreakable is at this point. Oh, to general audiences, yeah, I'd say so. So uh, it's a really good movie. I agree with Terrence. The girls are good, especially, uh, what's her name? Anya Taylor-Joy, who was the one thing I really liked about The Witch. And she's Which back. I can't, I have not been able to sit through The Witch, man. I gotta, I need to, anything. I need to watch that movie. after two pots of coffee, man, because I just, I fell asleep two or three it's times so trying boring. to watch this film. The Witch is it's the most so overrated boring. movie of 2016, hands down, especially um, among genre fans. I would wholly agree with that. Although I think Anya Taylor-Joy is really good in it, and I think she's really good here. So she I is good. I she, hope we see her is... in lots more stuff. Why don't um, we, uh, we were talking about this yesterday, I think. Why don't we talk about a little bit about the uh, the disparity and the rating and the in terms of the violence oh, and all Oh, yeah, that. yeah, I mentioned this to Terrence. The fact that I watched, uh, I hadn't seen The Conjuring 2 yet, but I'm a big fan of the original Conjuring, so I caught it. It's like on HBO this month. It's on pay cable, so I watched The Conjuring 2. And The Conjuring 2, which has basically no blood or gore, it, you know, it's just pretty much jump scares and ghosts is rated R, but Split... <laughs> Where two girls get eaten is PG yeah. thirteen. Is PG thirteen? <laughs> That's like kind of crazy, man. And I just, I, just don't I don't understand the rating system at all anymore. I don't. It's kind of old hat. To oh, talk the, M- about the MPAA this, but, is useless. Yeah, they, I, I, I just, just and I guess it's because one is sort of a night movie, and he maybe he still has some pull, and PG-13 is sort of more his brand dating back to the Sixth Sense days where James Wan courts a, a horror audience, so maybe he doesn't care that it gets an R, and he kind of shoots for the arc because that's his brand. 
But it makes no sense. I mean, I I would definitely show my kids The Conjuring 2 before I would show them Split. It's all out of whack. I mean, other than the gut-eating scene, that was really the only thing in that movie that warranted an R. But that was still – just what it implied was pretty uh, pretty intense. I, well, I'm, not, I'm surprised that it didn't get an R for that. It's a far more intense film. For sure. All right, so so we're recommending we're recommending both these films. I mean, if you're if you're coming out of a post-election haze and tired of hearing hearing about Trump's latest shenanigans on the news, you could not go wrong with either Split or John Wick Chapter Two. We're agreeing with that, right, gentlemen? Yeah, yes. no, yeah, I'm agreeing. With that. Oh, I totally agree. So, so, what do you think? What do you think, Bob? Do you think people need to see Unbreakable before they watch Split? I don't think they need to, but I think they should. I think they should too. I don't. Yeah, it's like like you said. I don't think they absolutely need to. I don't think it's absolutely imperative, but I think it makes the the film a bit more. It's a bit richer. So guys, even though we got a little bit of time left, even though we're recording this in mid February, it is our technically our first episode of the year, and I was interested in what pop culture you guys are most looking forward to this year. Uh, you know, we have three Marvel flicks coming out. We have The Last Jedi coming out. Stranger Things Season 2 is coming. What are you guys most excited about over the next 11 months? I want to see something. I want to see what they're going to do with Doctor Strange in this next Thor movie because I just uh, picked up the <laughs> digital copy of Doctor Strange and that movie's so goddamn trippy. I'm really looking forward to just seeing the character again and seeing He's what else they do. He's probably only going to be in, in, in Thor for one scene, you know. I'll be all right with that. I mean, it's going to be a cute little cameo. I, I'm looking forward to seeing more of Strange, too. But I still haven't even seen Thor The Dark World, so i got to catch up with that before I even think of seeing uh, Ragnarok or whatever. Thor The Dark World's good. I like that movie. I think all the Thor movies get a bum rap. They're like the unsung heroes of the The first MCU. one is terrible. Dar- the Dark World is, is good mid-tier Marvel, I think. They're both very funny movies. Like, Thor was the default funny movies of the MCU before Ant-Man came along. I, I will definitely give it that. I will definitely give the first Thor that it, it when it goes for humor, it typically nails it. Yeah. Uh, it, it definitely has that going for it. Stu, what are you looking forward to consuming this year when you can find the uh, time from changing diapers? and? So, uh, if I could watch uh, Baby Driver right now, I would... Uh, I would pawn off my newborn son. Has uh, I, don't, I haven't even seen a trailer <laughs> do for that. that. Has there been a trailer? Is there anything? No, there hasn't. No, no, I'm just look. The concept I think is just like the most perfect thing. All right, tell people uh, what for, Baby Driver is. So Baby Driver, it's a it's a heist movie that centers around a getaway driver uh, who apparently has tinnitus, and so to deal with his uh, I guess near crippling tinnitus, uh, he choreographs his getaway drives to music, which just seems like the absolute, like that could not be a more Edgar Wright ish uh, concept than that. And I it mean, feels that very just, cinematic, combining sound and music with visuals. right. Yeah, it's just yeah. It, you know, and God knows he's going to have amazing needle drops because he always does. Uh, John Hamm is in it, which I mean that alone. John Hamm in a Edgar Wright movie, like I can't imagine what that looks like, and that fascinates. Me. Uh, so I really want to see that. Uh, I'm just, I'm, you know, I love all of Wright's movies. Uh, he's one of my favorite directors working. Uh, so I really want to see that. Obviously, want to see The Last Jedi. But honestly, probably the thing that I am looking forward to the most 
Peter Atencio, uh, the director of all the Key and Peele episodes and Keanu, as well as uh, Jean-Claude Van Johnson, he confirmed we are getting five brand new episodes of Jean-Claude Van Johnson uh, before the end of the year. So that is probably the thing that I am looking forward to. Which is the Van Damme Amazon show. Yeah, it's it's the Jean-Claude Van Damme Amazon TV show Mm -hmm. uh, where he plays a black ops agent who uh, shoots movies as cover for his missions. So I that that's all we're getting at least five episodes. They have yeah, five, five episodes. episodes coming. Uh, I still haven't watched the pilot. I should do that. Oh, man, you I watched it again the other night and it I it's still like even if all we got was that it would still just be a perfect 30 minutes. Like it's just it uh, it has everything that I love about Van Damme in that 30 minutes, which is I mean, that that's an accomplishment. I'm going with you on the TV side of things. Uh, my three favorite active television shows are Fargo, Better Call Saul, and The Americans. And all three are coming back over like a four-week span in April. And Fargo hasn't been on. They took a year off. It's been like a year and a half since season two of Fargo. So I am jazzed. And it's going to be a lot of TV to watch every week, but... To have all these wonderful shows on at one time, I'm just, I'm so stoked. And then Twin Peaks comes back not long after that, and then Game of Thrones not long after that. So between April and July, which, you know, in the olden days were not good TV months, these are going to be fantastic TV months this year. And then Stranger Things and Halloween. I'm one of those guys that thinks the Stranger Things backlash is unwarranted. Stu, did you ever actually finish season one of Stranger Things? I never got around to it. I just For can't shame. bring myself to care enough. Shame. I shame. Shame. Eh. We need I, a shame I, bell for the podcast. You finished, so you, you, you <laughs> stuck it out and finished Luke Cage, but you couldn't finish eight episodes of Stranger I, Things. I stuck it out and finished Luke Cage because my wife wanted to finish Luke Cage. And so I wanted to spend time with her, and she really wanted to watch it with me. So I was like, okay, I'll finish watching this. Even though I'm bored to tears by it, shame. Terrence, I, Terrence, tell yeah. Stu how delightful Stranger Things is. I, just, I, I mean, I'm calling out shame. He, he. He's, what more needs to be Dude, watch said? the whole show, man. It's, no, I don't want to. I don't care. I literally do not care. I bet he watches it. I bet once the longer trailers and stuff start coming out from season two and the online geek community gets all excited, Stu will do a do-over and say maybe this time it'll work and he'll watch it. People are going to avoid John Wick 2 just on the strength of his comments right now. Right. (laughs) This guy doesn't like Stranger Things. Why should I listen to him about John Wick 2? That's exactly (laughs) right. You're hurting John Wick 2 with these opinions, Stu. Look, people people believe me. People buy my opinions. They 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 buy them. them. They pay for them. They do. They actually did at one point. <laughs> they did. I when did. I was working at the paper, people paid money to read that paper and read my opinion. Terrence, we got to shut this down in a minute, but I know you wanted us to address your video game addiction before we do. Oh, no, I don't have even you, want to talk about that. It's very sad. Have you stopped video games yet? No. Of course not. No, no. How many video games are you playing right <laughs> he now, He just Terrence? bought a PS4. Why would he stop buying Hey, we all own games. PS4s now. We do That's a nice thing. That's Welcome, good. all of you. Terrence, you guys used to give me no end of shit because I love the PS4. Now you all have. It wasn't so much that you loved the PS4. It was just your incessant, like, 
the support of it. Also <laughs> you know what? You know part of why I did that because you guys just kept giving me shivs. Like, okay, fine. Listen, everybody <laughs> on this podcast, everyone on this podcast now owns an Xbox One and a PS4. So the only person who's going to take any shit is Stu when he pays an absurd amount of money for a Nintendo Switch. I'm paying no money for a Nintendo Switch, thank uh, you. You getting one for free? Well, I traded in a bunch of Wii U uh, stuff, and it basically covered the entire amount. That's still paying for it. You still have your Xbox One, right? Yes, I still have my Xbox One. I don't uh, know for how much longer, though. Terrence, tell the people listening what games sh- game should they be playing right now. Since you buy all the games, what games should people be playing right now? <laughs> I will tell you about all the games right now. Um, For Honor is fat, pretty pretty sweet. Um, What else do I have sitting here? Um, Neo on the PlayStation 4 is pretty good stuff. It's uh like if you like Dark Souls and you like frustration and difficulty, you'll like this game. And, uh, and who doesn't like frustration and difficulty? <laughs> Especially in this day and age, right? Yeah, right. Go and on. um, I mean, I'm, Resident Evil 7 was pretty good too. I enjoyed that. Did you finish and, uh, it? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. And I liked it. Tim didn't like it though. Is it Tim scary. Um, it it starts out scary, but then by the end, it's just like it's just more disturbing than scary. You know, I think I still think Outlast, the Alien, Isolation, are probably the two scariest games you can get on console mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. But um, no, Resident Evil Seven holds up. I like it. And I, I think on the fin- PS4, it must Outlast. be amazing. I couldn't finish Outlast. Too scary. Too terrifying. Yeah, no, it, this one doesn't come anywhere near it, but it's still pretty. You know, I think I think most gen- general horror fans will find it like scary or whatever. See now that now that you guys have PS4s, you need to play The Last Guardian. That's what I've been playing. Is it good? It's excellent. I uh, was a big Shadow of Colossus fan. It it has the same like the only thing that I don't like about Fumito Ueda's games are the way that the controls are kind of loosey goosey. But it's it's a brilliant puzzle game, and Trico, the Griffin type beast that you uh, befriend. Uh, is a marvel of a creation. Like the just the animation on him alone uh, is unlike anything I've seen in a video game. Like he feels real the way that he moves and inhabits this digital space. But just you look at him and it look. I mean, there's no. I mean, some of it is there's no uncanny valley there because uh, you know he's not human. But I mean, you genuinely feel like this is a living breathing creature uh it, it's it's tremendous it, it's really really good so far i'm not paying 60 bucks on it for it. it's 40 dollars <laughs> now oh, it's 40 they say, the price okay based on your recommendation <laughs> and my love for uh shadow of the colossus I'll, I'll get it at some point that's like your tagline i'm not paying x amount of dollars for that like you say that for everything everything comes at a price Terrence. <laughs> but no they no seriously they they permanently dropped the price to 40 bucks so it'll only all ever right, be right. older than that okay on sale stuff so but yeah highly recommended well it looks like the ps4 is gonna have a hell of a year anyway so that's why i got it we all have one and we all can enjoy it (laughs) all right guys we gotta go i i want to let everybody know where they can find us on twitter if you want to yell at us can you continue this conversation online i am at robert b taylor uh Stu, where they where can they find you online twitter what like twitter or whatever uh twitter i'm at your home address what's your home address (laughs) and which Uh, room your baby sleeps in (laughs) <laughs> I live in Washington Heights. <laughs> Give them your Twitter let, handle, Stu. Give them your Twitter handle. I already did. I just gave it at Stewie Doo. All right, Terrence. Oh, did he? I thought he said at Washington Heights. Um, my my uh Twitter handle is Cinema Parker, one word. There we go. You can also find Cult Spark at Cult Spark. Uh, 
we're also on Facebook. We're also on iTunes. Please like us, share us, review us, love us. And uh, who knows if the country's still going to be here in another month, but let's let's try to do this again in the next few weeks, guys. Let's do another one after uh, Fate of the Furious. Sounds good. I need to watch all of them. (laughs) Oh, my God. Terrence still hasn't seen any Fast and Furious movies. Oh, come on, man. You own all of them. I know. I know. I I have this, like, plan to watch all of them back to back. We're ending this here. I don't even want to talk about this. We'll save this for the next show. I get too upset. (laughs) (laughs) See you, everybody. Bye-bye.